when I stood in that kitchen, lonely, sad, and away from my kids and not really sure where my life was headed at 34, everything changed. Everything changed in that instance, instant of surrender. Cause that's truly what I was doing when I just said, is this all there is? And then the universe said, Oh, let me show you. Let me, let me show you what is coming for you, lady. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to intuitive life coach, author, and thought leader, Meredith Willits. Do you sometimes feel like giving up? Jealous of what others are doing? At the same time, you know you're meant for so much more. You're in luck because you get to hear how to live your purpose and align with who you are meant to be. Listen, as we confidence manifestors today come together and help you walk through your fears and live the life you used to dream about. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Meredith. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. This is so exciting. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here too. I had so much fun watching your videos. Okay, so it looks <laughs> like you bought this house in yes. Michigan, like like some dream house that you've been redoing and you're all glam today because I've been watching these videos with you. Like, here's this level, old level. I, you know, you never know what things you'll yeah. find. And, and you've got millions and millions of people viewing um, this experience yeah. of you redoing the house. Yet, you're this energy person that <laughs> anyway, you must've felt drawn to it for a reason, but I do want to know the whole house thing, but have you always felt your own energy? Did some did things happen? Because people are always like, well, I want to get in touch with my energy too. And how did you discover your own energy sources and be, get to be in touch with it? Yeah. Well, it probably started a little over a decade ago and I really didn't even know that that's what I was doing. I started doing like an advanced kinesiology, like muscle testing, but I learned how to do it from a distance. I had no idea that it was energy work. I really didn't. And um, as What's I learned- advanced, I'm going to stop you right there. What's yeah. advanced kinesiology? So kinesiology testing? is like muscle testing. So when your body like short circuits, it's a lot of chiropractors use it. It's like a muscle testing where yeah, there's- I was going to say, did you get hurt? Were you injured? Is that why you were doing it or anything? Yeah, I actually got Lyme's disease. We used to live oh, in New okay. Jersey and Lyme's is really um, prevalent yeah. there. Yep. And so I was, uh, I went to a Western medicine doctor, you know, and they put me on the 30 days of antibiotics, et cetera. And I still wasn't feeling quite myself. And so I just kind of threw it up on Facebook. I'm like, hey, does anyone know of anyone that could help me? And someone said, well, if you send your photo and name and symptoms to this lady in New York, she could probably help you because she's helped me. And I did that. And I thought she was putting it through like a scanner because <laughs> I thought she was scanning it, you know, but she wasn't. She was actually reading the energy from my photographs. And, so, you know, in hindsight, now I know that. Um, and then she created this like tincture out of water. And that's all it is, is like, is charged water. And uh, I took it and it healed my thyroid, my lower back pain that I have uh, three herniated discs and it cured my limes. And I wow. said, I don't know what just happened there, but I need to completely be involved in it. Yeah, and right. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, everybody listening is like, 
give me this person's information now. If all right. I have to do is drink some tinctured water, then yeah. like, and there's me. no, yeah. And it's I not, don't even know what's wrong, but I want to be healed. I'm like, <laughs> I have to have, I have to have this in my life. And so I got all the kits, which are just bottles of water that are like frequency charged and all the information and learned how to do it. And I started doing, um, this is called total body analysis with people all over the world. And I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm really doing here. Cause they don't really tell you what you're doing. They're not like, oh, you're tapping into someone's energy field. Like that's not how it's really presented. And then I got into the body code, which is um, removing trapped emotions. And that was really fascinating because if you study this, as I have for you know over a decade, <clears throat> the emotions lead to physical illness a lot of times. Yeah. And I, so I, I've if, learned that from talking to people who do from breath work. Yeah. So, so I don't if know you, if that's like that. Yeah. So if you could kind of get the emotion dealt with, and so many of us don't deal with our emotions, we stuff them down, we ignore them. Um, we think it'll be okay. We stay in this really bad relationship or this horrific job. Eventually our body starts to become affected by those negative trapped emotions. So I got involved in the energy of emotions and started working with people on that. And um, but then I'm like, okay, maybe I am tapping into energy here because I can do that long distance and I'm tapping it. So I started figuring out what exactly it was that I was doing. And then I'm like, well, if energy is neither created nor destroyed, I wonder if I could talk to dead people. And so then I started you, you doing You just took that. a leap from the yeah. body code to dead people. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Why not? Total and Jersey. Like <laughs> totally like fearless, like let's try this. And then it slowly has evolved to like psychic work and all that. But honestly, it did not start until I was in a safe and healthy relationship. So like oh, that's me, be, yeah, me becoming the Meredith that I am today was really stifled by the need of safety, you know, of, of being in a safe environment and feeling emotionally not defensive and not like I had to walk on eggshells. So when I married my husband that I'm currently married to, everything changed. We moved away from my hometown, which is a lovely hometown, but it was still that Meredith. And so when I moved away from that Meredith and those scenarios and those friends and family and got to kind of like go out on my own, I was able to kind of transform into the person slowly that I have become today. And I have also, you know, we've moved a lot from my husband's job and I, I'm kind of amazed by every time we've moved, it's like, I've leveled up 10 because it's like, oh, and now you get to be this person. So like, what are you going to do with it? And it wasn't even conscious, you know, like, so how I became an intuitive life coach is by way of all these different modalities, along with life coaching um, classes and learning about that. And also being 50 with a marriage, a divorce, a marriage, you know, blended families and um, be having an avoiding attachment myself. And so all of this goes into, you know, intuitive life coaching because I use the psychic part of uh, the intuition to help people. So when I'm in an appointment with someone, it's, it's kind of all being used at the same time, which is great. So how did you know that you needed... Is this hindsight that you know you needed safety? Oh, absolutely hindsight. 
Yeah. Cause you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I, I, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're in it, it's, that's the way the world is. Yeah. You know, of course, of course I'm hypervigilant. Of course I'm, you know, being called sensitive and it's my fault that I'm just sensitive to people that are, you know, mean, not kind. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so you don't know that there is another way to exist when you are inside of the existence of, of negativity. You just, you just don't know that there's a different world out there because you just keep attracting the same types of people. Right. You know I was what I mean? just about, it's amazing. I was just about to say, so how do you attract and what would you tell somebody that wants to attract people that are going to build you up and, and support you? Yeah. Well, I would say to be very cognizant of, you know, these people are, are doing good things, right? They're, they're doing well in life. They're healthy. They're taking positive actions in their life. They pay their bills. They watch their kids. They're exercising. They're, you know, being an entrepreneur. They're, they're, they're kind, you know, they're not lying. They're not cheating. They're not stealing. So if you look around your world and those are the people that are around you, that's who you are. I always say like a meth addict isn't really hanging out with the CEO of Apple. They don't blend, right? And so when you look around you, the people that are around you are your frequency. And so by by kind of evacuating my old life when I got married, I was able to start changing who I was because I wasn't being held back by my thoughts about myself based on other people's behavior. Okay, that's a sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah. I mean, like the world is our mirror. And so if people keep seeing you as that 16-year-old that got busted for smoking behind the library, and every time you encounter them, you remember the way that oh that felt, right? Yeah, yeah. Being busted or, you know, having this boyfriend break up with you. And that's how you envision yourself based on that person that's, you know, now 22 years old, you still live in that realm of that frequency. So, you know, it's really difficult to make huge transformations to your life inside of the same setting. That's why rehabs, you don't, you don't go to rehab in your home with all of your friends. You are removed from your setting to go to a different place, to be around different people and have different activities. There's a reason for that. It's so that you can reinvent yourself, hopefully. And so I think that kind of life is that same vibe is, you know, you need to change locations, change people, change friends, change job, whatever it is. That's why women cut their hair when they're going through a divorce or, you know, a big life moment. Everyone gets a pixie, right? Or colors it or whatever. Like they shift, they shape it up and, and shift it up because what they're doing is they're literally trying to become like a different vibration and different frequency. I've never heard rehab used as an analogy. Me neither. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm here for it. That was good. Yeah. But it made sense in my head. Like that's yeah. it just like no, popped totally, in there. I'm like, yeah. it's that, like that hey. totally worked. Yeah. There's beauty in being allowed to transform. And so often, you know, especially if you have abusive parents or emotionally detached parents or emotionally immature parents, you know, we see ourselves so often through our parents' eyes. So how do we expect when your parents like, you don't matter. I don't have time for you. You're a pain in the butt, whatever the case is. 
to then become this great person. And I'm not saying that's my experience. I'm just saying like so many people, you know, uh, have these situations and want to climb out of it. Yeah. And so that's tough. No, it definitely is. So well, you have four kids here. They, you've mm. transformed in this last decade. They must be like, yeah. um, hello, who are you? Um, I have, I mean, my kids grew up with a meditating mom with like, you know, with this and, and they went and then they became eye rolling teens, which they're still, even though late teens, early twenties, um, mm. they're still not, you know, they'll have, yeah, they're not there, but anyway, you know, they yeah. have their own past. How about you? Well, my youngest is 11 and he's super psychic, whether he admits it or anything like that, but he's super psychic, super intuitive. And then my 14 year old, not necessarily eye rolling, but very busy with sports and friends, which I love. And then my 24 year old daughter, she lives in Florida. I'm in Chicago and she is probably my biggest cheerleader. She's she's old enough, like yep. 24. She's already come around. <laughs> like, yep, yeah, she's got her own place and her own business. And we've traveled the world together as travel par- partners. She always pays her own way, which I love. And then my son is 26 and lives in Cincinnati. And they're all very supportive. I think maybe in the beginning it might have been like, but like they were not really understanding what I was doing any more than I was really understanding what I was doing. I think that, you know, a lot of family and people that know me had a little pushback with the word medium or psychic, you know, they, they envisioned the crystal ball in the corner, you know, with the psychic sign. But I think that like when I wrote my book, and that I have almost, you know, a million and a half people following me on social media, I must be doing something right. You know what I mean? So it's cool. I have the cool kid factor that mom's famous social media, you know, I think they give me a bit more of a pass because of that, that social media mom's TikTok famous, you know, like I'm the most famous TikTok person. My husband just went to, um, he works in sports and he just went to this major league baseball like convention. And one of his buddies goes, you know, walks up to him and gives him a hug. And he said, oh my gosh, it's the second most famous Willits. <laughs> and he, he thought that the guy was talking about our kids just because they're, Jim's always posting them um, on social. And he's like, no, I'm obsessed with your wife's Instagram account. <laughs> he's like, what is going on? That's great. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. Like, you know, like my husband thinks it's about him, but not so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I love yeah. It. It's fun. Yeah. It totally is. People that have, they, they're like, they have limiting beliefs. They're like, well, good for you, Meredith. Good for you, Lauren. I wish I was doing that. What would you tell them? I would tell them that I got married and moved to Philadelphia from Cleveland. And my kids, my older two kids were still um, at their dad's for the summer. And so it was me alone in the house. And my husband was at work, my new husband at work. I had no friends. And if you've ever lived on the East Coast, it's not easy. It's very isolating. And I stood in my kitchen and I looked at the ceiling and I started to cry. And I said, God, is this all that you have for me? Is this it? I think I'm a pretty cool person. How could this be it? And I really surrendered. I surrendered to whatever the journey was going to be. And it hasn't always been easy. I mean, at all, like it's been a lot and unearthing all of your beliefs, unearthing all of your programming from school and church and society and 
even unearthing the fact that I've wasted 50 years inside of a mind that has an attachment, you know, an avoidant attachment. And I didn't even know that that was a thing and how it has affected my entire life. I would say that there's literally nothing that's holding you back, but the belief that whatever you're experiencing right now is all that there is, that you're stuck. Because when I stood in that kitchen, lonely, sad, and away from my kids and not really sure where my life was headed at 34, everything changed. Everything changed in that instance, instant of surrender. Because that's truly what I was doing when I just said, is this all there is? And then the universe said, oh, let me show you. Let me, let me show you what is coming for you, lady. And then all of a sudden, I think that opened me up to possibility. You know, I think that moment just kind of allowed me to, to move forward in a completely different, in a completely different way. I love the surrender. I just love that. Yeah. And so what would you tell somebody that knows that there's something they should be doing, but they're afraid to take the leap? Yeah. They're not doing what they know that they're, they know there's so much more for them. They're just afraid. Yeah. Well, I look at fears as the very thing that is the key to your freedom because your fears are those things that you really need to do to move on to the next level. It's almost like every fear is a different step. And when you step up and you conquer that fear, be it, you know, zip lining or making a TikTok or whatever it is, whatever the thing is, getting a divorce, quitting your job, starting a business, having a child, not having a child, moving to Bali, all of these things, that energy, that tension and anxiousness that's building up inside of you, you know, that once you do it, you're free from it. I really look at as humans as being infinite. You know, like I said, whatever, if you are, you always have been and always will be. And so I really try to live a life of active faith, not necessarily religious faith. And active faith, I look at as wherever I'm at and whatever is happening to me, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And so look for the lesson, look for that blessing and look for the lesson, right? And so I had breast cancer a few years back and I decided that I was going to look for why it was in my life instead of the laboring that it was in my life. We're already in it. Here we are. We Here we find ourselves, right? Inside of breast cancer. And so why? Why is it here? And so every day I would go through the, the, the surgeries or radiation or whatever. And I, I allowed myself to watch the experience and say, how is this moving me? What is it that I'm gaining from this? And for me, it was asking for help. It was being vulnerable and asking my husband, will you come sit next to me? Can you stop rubbing the skin off the top of my hand? That doesn't feel good. Now men do, they hold your hand yes. and they just rub yes. the top of your, you know, what like, is that? I don't oh know, but God. every time I tell that to people, they die laughing because they're like, holy shit, my husband does the same thing. <laughs> but I, don't, I have no idea. But yeah, I just... I learned to be vulnerable 
a little bit more and to ask and stop being superwoman. And oddly, if you look at the energy of the breasts, it's uh, the it's the organ of nurturing, which makes so much sense. And so self-nurturing and allowing yourself to be nurtured. And so there was something in my life for 40 some years where I wasn't really allowing myself to be nurtured. I was the superwoman. I was the one doing it all. And, you know, I don't know if I was the martyr, but I was definitely doing more than I should have been doing. And so I allowed myself to to learn from it. And I also made sure that breast cancer would be the best thing to ever happen to me. I'm able to say that because I'm still here. And I understand that that is a privilege that I have is to have lived through it. So I'm I'm very aware of the fact that not everyone gets to live through breast cancer and not everyone's family member does. But what I went through, I decided I'm going to make this change my whole life. And, and it did because I have been waiting for my husband to retire. I've been waiting for my kids to get older. I have been waiting and waiting for decades to live my life. And as soon as that was over, I went to Bali. I went to India. I went to St. Mary's Glacier. I've traveled all over with my daughter and my husband. We just got back from um, Ireland because I know that tomorrow's truly not promised. And so to live while you can still walk you know, the mountains and you can still do all of the things that your body at this moment are capable of doing. Yeah, no, that's, that's so great. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, I I've actually interviewed a number of breast cancer survivors and, uh, the lessons are amazing. Yeah. Also, um, Mary Sice, I interviewed her at God, probably a year and a half ago. I don't know. She's been doing EFT tapping mm -hmm. since I don't remember if it was 89 or 1990, like wow. way before the people we've ever heard of have been doing it. And she knows like, I, I can't remember the people, but they're like the forefathers, people mm. we've read about and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but why would I have breast cancer? Because she's taught the people who we learn from, you know, like, yeah. and she starts talking about it. It's a great episode, but she had to learn to be softer mm -hmm. and about nurturing. So it's, I, I love that it's the same messages come through a lot of times. What's the hardest thing you've ever been through and how did you get through it? Boom. The hardest thing I've ever been through would be when I was 23 years old, healthy, you know, upper middle class white woman, and I was pregnant and I, my water broke and I went to the hospital and delivered my firstborn son. And I didn't get to take him home because he was life flighted to the local trauma hospital. And no one knew what was wrong with him. You know, 23 is pretty young if your listeners, everyone, you know, like think about your 23 year olds out there. And my husband and my mom went to Metro in Cleveland. And of course, I couldn't leave till like the next morning. So I think they gave me a Valium. I don't even know, like a Xanax or something to sleep. And his stomach was actually connected to his esophagus. And we didn't learn that for quite a few days. Um, it's called a tracheoesophageal fistula. And he was in the hospital for 30 days and came home on my actually 24th birthday. And every time he would come home from pneumonias or whatever else, um, I always thought that that would be the time he'd come home for good, that he was never going back. And I think that you go through moments like that on 
hope, you know, like you just, you're blind. It's blind faith. It's, it's just constantly having this belief that everything somehow is going to work out perfectly. It's like the house right now that I'm dealing with, you know, every day it feels like it's some humongous mountain of a challenge, like money challenge, emotion challenge, time challenge, ability challenge, like every single way a challenge can be in this house project. I honestly, I throw caution to the wind and I just tell myself it's going to work out. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't going to work out. And I think that my whole time with Cody growing up, I just knew it was going to work out. Like I never treated him like he was sick. I never treated him like he was going to die. The only time that I had come to grips with the fact that he was going to die was when they gave him his last rites before he went into surgery and gave him a blessing at two weeks old. That was the only time that there was something that actually broke in my mind. And I don't think it's ever been recovered of me coming to grips with my child's death. That was difficult. And I've had to recover from that. And that I'm sure is a huge component of the avoidant attachment of like getting too close, you know, like, oh, it's fine. You know, he's going to die. And it's what it is. There's a weirdness in that, that you have to kind of come to grips with that I don't think is humanly natural, but I have blind faith. I've not missed too many meals, right? I'm still here. Like I'm going to use the faith and the history of my life to be a predecessor for my future. So I've, I'm still here. So I'm just going to keep on trucking, you know, like I don't worry. Worrying is praying for something you don't want in your life, you know? And so I don't worry about things too much. Like I have a moment I regroup and then I start looking for the solution. I start looking for like, all right, let's gear up. Let's handle this. And I think that's pretty much how I've done everything in my life. No matter what the bad news is, it's like one, two, three, feel sorry for yourself. Five, feel sorry for, okay, now it's time to go. Like, yeah, now I let's told, do this. I was told I was only allowed a certain number of minutes of self-pity a day years ago. I was like, okay, yeah. You, you it's can, pointless. No, no wallowing. <laughs> yeah, you just, yeah. and then you start to swirl and then- your frequency goes down and yeah, then, you know, it's like a whole thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Get back to a gratitude list, get your vibration frequency back up and uh, let's move. So what about somebody who isn't sure what their purpose is? They know they're meant for more, but they're not sure what that is. What would you suggest to them? Besides well, calling I, you as a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah. it, it's oddly, I get a lot of those phone calls. Yeah, like I'm a lot surprised. of people. I don't usually, I don't always ask that question. So go, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are, are going to ask that. So the first thing I want to say is that you have an, a naggy, horrible person, most likely in your head. And it is what I would like to call either the liar or the devil or whatever. My, my liar in my head, his name is Vicky from the, you know, Housewives of Orange County because she seemed really bitey. So I picked that name and I don't also don't know anyone named Vicky. So it worked out. And so when I hear that negative voice telling me I'm too fat, I'm too old, I shouldn't be on TikTok. And, you know, like all those negative thoughts that we have in our head, I like to name that voice because it's not me. I am not that mean to myself. That is acquired from school, church, social media, magazines, television programs, wherever, friends, whatever. And so I like to shut that voice down by recognizing that it's not me. And so I say out of my mouth, literally, shut up, Vicky. And as soon as you have her quiet or him quiet about your clothes or your outfit or your abilities, 
he or she will show up each and every time in a different way. So then, you know, a year ago, it was like, your husband doesn't even want to come home. He doesn't even care about you. (laughs) And then I like, literally I'm in my bedroom going, who are you? Why are you talking this way to me? I'm like, shut up, Vicky. He does love me. He does want to come home. He just has to work late. Get out of my head. You know? (laughs) And so I started really recognizing that negative self-taught that's fearful, that tells me don't buy the house. Your husband doesn't love you. You can't do that. Stay off of TikTok. You're too old. Don't do this. Right. And so these are the things that keep us from our purpose is the negative voice, the small voice that lies to us to try to keep us safe and small. But unfortunately, safe and small usually is very limiting. And so once you can get the hang of really separating yourself from the voice in your head that you do not have to listen to, that isn't telling the truth, what happens is that your inner spirit gets super loud. It gets loud. The stepping stones show up. The opportunities arise. The text message comes in. The email shows up. Like you see the for sale sign for the island house that you've been eyeballing for four years. The universe starts to reveal itself you're not going to see that revelation when you're stuck in small fear. Both things cannot happen at the same time. And the reason I'm going to tell you that this is the case, there are a lot of people out there with Lady Gaga's voice. I would say hundreds of thousands of people that have Lady Gaga's voice, that have Beyonce's voice, right? But there's only a few of them that have actually done anything with it that actually got out of the negative self-talk, that actually stopped listening to the Vicky in their head. Sorry to anyone named Vicky. Vicky in their head that said, you know what? You can't do this. You'll never be famous. No one's going to sign you. No one wants to record your album. No one wants to come to your concerts. They got out of that negative self-talk and they recognized that they are not going to live in that space. And as they became more fearless and more courageous and they they took the call and they did the email and they did all of the things and showed up at the bars singing and whatever else, the universe kept sending them more and more opportunities. Because when the universe knows that you're just crazy enough to make the TikTok video, more and more opportunities show up. When the universe recognizes that you're just crazy enough to sit down and write the book or whatever it is, the universe will reveal itself and keep sending you what it is. Everyone's path is going to be very different. My path is going to be very different from yours or your listeners. But the fact of the matter is your path is very, very specific and it's very exciting, but you're not going to get there while you're listening to that voice in your head telling you to play it small. Yeah. And everybody has their own unique handprint. Nobody can yep. do what it is that you could do the way you could do it. So if you've got a vision in your head, or if you need to get quiet and just to figure out what that is, there's a reason it's been put in your head. Like yeah. go for it. Take Keep trying lead. new things. Yeah. yeah. Keep trying so new things. What about shiny object syndrome where you're like, I want to do that. I want to do that. Somebody says something like, I want to do that too. I want, And we can't do everything as much as we want to. Although I always say, well, when I'm sick of doing this, I'll do that. And, you know, there's certain ideas I definitely have in my, in that plans for myself, not just ideas. But when we get spread too thin, maybe I'm asking the wrong person. So <laughs> I, I know, right? Someone that has doing all the things. I look at that because a lot of people will come to me and say that 
that's how they're like, that's how they exist, right? Like they go yeah. from one career to another career, or maybe different husbands or spouses or whatever. Like they move all the time. Okay. And I'm like, you're just a fast manifester. You know, you're just constantly manifesting and, and checking that life box. You're like, okay, I've lived that life, move on. I've lived that life, move on. And I even know like with this house project, you know, like I'd be cleaning a corner and then I'm like, I can't even look at this anymore. Why do we expect our life to be any different? I actually look at people that have had the same career for 35 years and have no idea how they've made that drive over and over and over again, parked in the same parking spot over and over and over, walked the same stairs, sat at the same desk. I would lose my mind. And so I just look at it like you're just manifesting quicker to get to that which you want to actually do. So I say, do all the things, maybe not quit your job every five minutes. I don't know. Like it's your security and that's what works for you. But I find it fast. You only have one life. Why not do it all? Uh, I think it's I more met, interesting. I met at the same time. Oh. <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. I left the island this morning, put all the lights in the boxes in the house where they're supposed to go so that the electrician can put them in, put the, you know, the, the trees where they need to be planted today drove here, cleaned the house, got ready, have a podcast. I have two appointments later tonight. And then I have a, my daughter's baseball softball game tonight. So I'm, yeah. I'm doing a lot in one day to say, and I've already posted two TikToks today. So it is what it is. Like, that's why I said, day. I might be asking the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know I'm like, all right. I already like, I've got the law of practice, the podcast, the kids like I've got. Yeah. So I, I understand. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? Mm, message of hope. I think hope is a great stepping stone of projected en energy, but I actually am not a huge fan of hope. I look at hope as more like a, uh, a directed energy versus a destination. Hope is a, for me anyways, a human outcome for something that we believe that we need in our life. So I hope I get this job. And then if you don't, then I am not going to be happy. I prefer to walk in faith that no matter where I'm at, be it not getting the job, getting breast cancer, you know, getting in a car accident or a fender bender, that is faith that whatever was supposed to happen is happening versus a planned outcome. So I look at hope as more like a guiding light for our heart, an energy frequency of forwardly motion to level up to versus like, I hope for anything, right? So I look at more hope as, as an action or a, well, that a faith frequency. Faith seems like the action because you keep going. Yeah, you, you just- Faith it'll work out. I have faith that I'm where I'm supposed to be and it's going to be fine. And But it's it's good to help people to level up. I like to look at everything in the future as a frequency of emotion versus an outcome. And I have a lot of clients that I actually work with on this because- when we manifest, we're was, usually was my next question was about manifestation. So go yeah, ahead talk about we're that. usually trying to manifest a thing, right? Which is very in line with the concept of hope, this outcome. And so what I always try to tell people to manifest is a feeling. So the feeling of freedom, the feeling of contentment, the feeling of having a lot of time and physical health. So, you know, when I look at it and I go, well. I want to manifest that this house gets done and X, Y, Z. Well, what if that's not supposed to be my path? What if this house is only supposed to be to flip? 
what if this house is meant to be only for retreats? So what I look at it when I say, okay, I don't really know how this is going to unfold with this property. What I hope to acquire with it, what I hope that the goal is here is freedom. It's more income. It's an opportunity to use that money for traveling because it's really worked its magic on me in these last six months. And so I know that it's here more for me at this moment as a tool of awakening than necessarily a house. So it's it's kind of kind of fascinating when you step back from I have to create an Airbnb that's going to rent for X amount of dollars and blah 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 blah. Like I just don't I don't have attachment to that right now. Yeah, um, but you have faith that you'll it'll, it'll figure work out itself the way out. It, that, yeah, that'll work out the way it's supposed to. It'll figure itself out. Yeah. Oh, this is so much fun. I'm so glad I got to meet you. Is there anything I didn't ask you that we're going to be done? You're going to be like Lauren didn't ask me this. Um, I have a book mindset mastermind 10 steps to change your life forever. It's a very short and easy. It's got prompts. And I will tell you that it's everything that I use like with clients and things that I've used for myself to really kind of break myself out of my own mental trappings, my own programming. You think at this moment that when you're listening to this or you're going about your daily life, you think that that's who you are but I am here to tell you there is so much more to you and than you can even imagine, but it's a lot of unlearning, you know? And so I would say the biggest step to changing who you are is unlearn everything that you've ever learned. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we have links for everything of you in the show notes and on the website and uh, in the description. So this was so great. Yeah, Thank you for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Meredith's messages of transformation, grace, and magic. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live in your purpose, confident, and authentically you. It's a great episode. It's super upbeat. That's next week. Be sure to sign up for a free Confidence and Clarity Boost session. If you're struggling, this might be for you. If you feel like life's passing you by, your inner critic's going nonstop, you're feeling burnt out and jealous of those doing what it is that you wish you were doing, just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and sign up. Just 15, 20 minute clarity and confidence boost session to get you aligned with who and what you know that you're meant to do. This episode has been brought to you by Magic Mind. It's the world's first productivity drink. I've been drinking them for a few months now, and they come in these really easy to drink little bottles. They're sent to you. You don't have to mix anything. You don't have to run out to the store. And I feel totally more focused, more creative. It's a all natural drink. It's got tropics, optogens, all natural ingredients. You don't have to worry about being all hyped up or anything like that. Magic Mind is great. You have better recall. And so they're sponsoring this podcast. There's a link in the show notes and underneath the description, you can just go to magicmind.co for a free 50% off your subscription. If the next 10 days with my code, hope Lauren, go to magicmind.co not.com backslash hope Lauren for 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days. Magicmind.co backslash hope Lauren for 50% off magic mind it's the world's first productivity drink and it works that's why i'm letting them sponsor the podcast
If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.